Hey everyone, welcome to the Hometown Fresh podcast, the show that talks all things grocery, customer service, career development, and more. Today we'll be hearing from our Director of Training and Leadership Development, Bob Arthur, as well as President of the company, J. Max Van Hoos, as we discuss the concept of being proactive in mergers and acquisitions. Bob leads our Harps Learning You program here at the company and provides associates and listeners alike with the skills they need to be successful, not only in the business world, but in life. Take it away, gentlemen. Well, thank you, Gracie. And hey, congratulations to you. You just recently uh, got your degree. You earned your degree at the University of Arkansas. I and, did. Uh, that's a major accomplishment. That's being proactive as well, moving forward <laughs> and getting your degree. And uh, and we're glad you're on our team. So uh, thank thanks you. again for helping us with this podcast. And uh, we're really looking forward to today. Today, we have our president, as you mentioned, J. Max Van Hoos. J. Max, you know, we have like those 10 core principles that we use for leadership and the, and really the first one out of the block is called make things happen which is tied to our theme of today about being proactive taking some initiative and moving forward and of course over the past few years we have certainly seen some uh, great growth in our company as far as acquiring groups and the number of stores and how much that's really helped our organization and of course you are really the primary person who leads that entire process so we look forward to hearing from you today and uh, and just just share from your heart, from your life about it all, and we'd love to hear it. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me. Gracie, thank you, too. Go Hogs. <laughs> yeah, the last couple of years have been particularly busy with mergers and acquisitions. Culturally, I think we've always, if you look at portfolio stores, a lot of them go back to some sort of acquisition. But it just kind of ebbs and flows in terms of how we do store development. But recently, a lot of that activity has been on the side of acquiring stores. And there's a lot of reasons for that the last few years in terms of how the, the market has just maybe been changing for a variety of reasons. So what are, say, like in relation to that, the top couple reasons is, is why it's shifted and provided those opportunities for us? Well, certainly the last few years with COVID changed the economics for independence to where they grew a little bit. That, along with inflation, shored up their balance sheet, shored up their P&L. And on the backside mm-hmm. of that, they are kind of to the point in their careers where they might need to sell or the business continues to get a little more complicated. So they're having to assess, how am I going to manage this business with systems, software, mm-hmm. people, Mm-hmm. And it starts becoming a little overwhelming for them. So those two things coming together make it attractive for them to consider selling. And when you're out there competing with people like Walmart or Kroger or Hy-Vee, there's just a, there are some other uh, retailers like us, but we are big enough to be able to have a lot of those things in place, systems, HR, IT, Things that are getting more complicated, but small enough to be able to be interested in somebody in maybe a somewhat rural, a tertiary urban market that a a larger player, it wouldn't meet their strategy. Right. So those things kind of come together. And the other thing that's happened is that competing with that would be to build a replacement store. And all of a sudden in the last three years, that has become extremely expensive. And so the market hasn't balanced itself yet with the cost of building a ground up store. And so it's more economical and it's less risk for your shareholders to look at acquisitions. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. 
Yeah, I've told people, you know, in a major simplified version of what you basically just said that a lot of people really, be, they're they're ready to get out for whatever reasons. And, and in many cases, the kids don't want it. They saw how hard their parents worked, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And they, and they would prefer if there's some financial gain for them, they would do that. But apparently there are opportunities most of the time, right? Is that right? And then uh, some, some happen and some don't, of course. Yeah. And sometimes the opportunity might be that uh, the seller might might even still come to work for us. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, they, they might be ready to kind of start transitioning, but not be ready to necessarily retire. Yeah, right. So they might even stay on board. Yeah, yeah, we've had that. You asked about, I guess, the flow of deals. Yeah. And that is, today, it's very steady. And they can be from, we need to do something right now to your kind of cultivating relationships over a longer period of time. But today, if we were just say, kind of open up the deal box today, there's definitely stuff there that is being worked on or could be worked on. Yeah. So for you, and I know you have some things you want to share, but like what percent of your time is applied to you know, the merger and acquisition portion, uh, you know, of our company with you being the primary lead person on it. So day to day, let's just say it's usually like 50%. Okay. But like with most things, the answer is it depends. When we're in the hot and heavy of onboarding a company, particularly if it has multiple stores and there's a little more complexity to it, I I would say it approaches almost 100%. Yeah. Not because I'm like super smart or anything. It's just because I'm kind of helping Quite frankly, a big part of it is making the seller comfortable with the process. Mm. And uh, we talked at the beginning a little bit about being proactive. Right. So we kind of look at a big part of our job. You know, when you talk about that word proactive, whether it be with mergers and acquisitions or in your personal life or your work, uh, you're trying to anticipate Mm. planning. And so if somebody came to you and said, if somebody calls you right now, Bob, and says, hey, there's a water leak at your house, it's like, holy smokes, I got to work. This is horrible. I got to stop everything I'm doing right now and call people and get there and put everything to the side. But if somebody came to you right now and said, hey, in two weeks, Bob, you're going to have a water leak. You go, okay, that's different. Right. I can be standing there when the water leak happens and have everybody ready. Right. And so luckily having done these enough, we know when the water leaks are going to happen. They're going to happen. But we want to have everything in place and tell the seller, well, this is going to happen, but we're going to do all these things so it's not we're not reacting to it. It's Mm. not super stressful. It's just part of the process. And that's why we're doing all these things leading up to it. That's not to say that each project doesn't have some things we have to react to. We weren't proactive for. So, You know, that would be kind of how we're trying to be proactive. We're trying to know all the things that have to happen leading up to it. You know, a lot of sellers will tell you on the day of closing, and we use the word closing for the day we bought the company. Right. They'll tell you on the day of closing, I know more about my company today than I did a year ago when I started this. Wow. And they're almost, almost disappointed, like, well, I spent all this time putting all this together, learning everything about it, and now I'm having to give my baby away. Yeah. You know, and I kind of know more about it today than I did a year ago. And it's just part of, And the reason they do is because we want to know everything we can about the company. Sure. So neither they or we are surprised. Right. Right. 
that due diligence process for sure. Yeah. I can see it could go take a deep dive. You know, when we had one that this, you know, the CV group was what tw- over twenty stores, and and the Hufford group was you know over twenty stores, and yeah. our recent markets were seven. And so I can see how that could involve a deep dive. You know, and finding out all the details that you need. It does, and you know, you're going into something that's going to take. Like the Hufford group was the three years ago, and that took yeah. it took twelve weeks to just acquire all the stores. Mm-hmm. You know, that was even before we, leading up to it. Right. I know I sent you a few questions, but the average, and maybe there's not an average, from the time that you first talk with someone about us acquiring them to the time that we actually close it, what is that normal time frame of what's mm-hmm. going on behind the scenes and only a handful of y'all really know what's happening? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when we talk about acquisitions, we do more than just stores, too. We also acquire pharmacies, like mm-hmm. the script files. Uh, and Robert Acord, our, our VP of pharmacies, really involved in that. And those are a little simpler in the sense that they can come together quicker mm-hmm. in a matter of sometimes weeks. The store we just purchased in Prague, Oklahoma, a guy named Keith Beechler, you know, super guy. I think that from the time we just had a phone call to the time we did the closing was 10 months. Okay. And then if you, you mentioned the CV group, sometimes, you know, we might have been in a position to look at part. In that particular case, there were some of those stores that were for sale years ago, and they didn't work out. So if you wanted to look at it that way, it was like eight years. Wow. Okay. And I just got through looking at some stores that we've looked at three times. Wow. And over a period of 15 years. Wow. And still, you know, still couldn't really work anything out. So, again, it kind of goes back to that it depends answer. Yeah. But, right. you know, usually if somebody's serious and they're moving forward and they're being very formal about it and pragmatic, that eight to 10 months is not unusual. Yeah. That, I would think it would take that long at least, you know. But you can, just do, we can do it faster, but it just, um, and a part of it too is that most sellers haven't ever gone through the process and sometimes they don't recognize. If they're selling real estate, they have people, they're winding down a company, they might have health insurance plans, mm-hmm. they might be dealing with a different wholesaler. There's a lot for them to unwind that they haven't really thought through yet. Mm. And that's an, so when we talk about being proactive, it's not so much that we're being proactive to not have problems for us. We're trying to be proactive so that they don't have problems. Mm. Like uh, the due diligence list often is just to identify here's because we talked about them going to learn more about what than their company. It's like, oh, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. This could happen. This could be something that could be a liability for you that we want it to be. We want when you're done, one, that we don't have a lot of things to do after closing, that it's all nice and neat and tidy and you're happy. And so we want to try to make that as, as unstressful for them as possible. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And we have a uh, we have a positive reputation, you know, as far as, mm-hmm. you know, being an organization that other organizations want to talk to. And obviously what you just said, I'm not sure sure everybody would do that, you know, would really look out for the seller and try to make them as comfortable as possible and coach them along and, and just help the process uh, be as positive as it can be. I mean, that's that's pretty cool, really, because I'm not so sure other organizations do that. You know, we all have things to sell, or we all have do things transactionally in our lives. And initially, we think it's always about the money. 
but it's not. And they might not even recognize that initially. And money's important and it has to be it has to be right. But most of these sellers, these are there's no way around it being somewhat emotional for them. There's a lot of relationships, there's people, and we might even be able to tell them some things that they haven't thought about. Like when your staff comes to work for us, we want it to be seamless. And maybe an example would be, and a big one is, we don't want them to feel like they're starting over in their careers. A big part, it might be vacation and seniority. Right. That that is kind of, that continues on. You want to make sure others are other sellers buyers or other buyers willing to do that same thing that's outside of the purchase price right yeah and it's a big deal you know because as you know in many cases i'll I'll go down do the orientations for the stores and i'll ask them how many of y'all were nervous and even when our team came and talked to y'all or you know you're still a little uneasy and people would say yeah i mean they really are and i would always say to them that look Whatever our executive team told you that they're going to do, that's exactly what's going to happen. I said, so you're you're going to be fine. And you could tell that it doesn't take too much longer after that that their their mind is at ease, you know, about what you said. Am I going to get my vacation? Are they going to cut my pay? Are they going to keep me? I mean, these are, these are things that go through their minds like crazy. And I know we know that. And so it's good that we, you know, really start that journey early with them to try to help them. You know, back to your word about being seamless, where they just flow right along, and you know everything's okay. So, um, well, you're definitely on the onboarding side of it. Yeah, right. And and that team, the HR team, over time has done nothing different than all the other teams. Oh, we learned this this time. We need mm-hmm. to tell them That's this right. time. We need to check off this this time. This question comes up. We failed to address it during onboarding, so we're getting better and yes, better. We are. You know, a, a, a checklist type. Yep. And at the same time, we try to recognize that we have a lot of, a lot of good attributes and qualities, we think, but we have to acknowledge, you know, we're human too, and we're going to make mistakes. Right. And right. we're going to trip occasionally on ourselves. Yeah. But that's not the intent. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, you mentioned something to me when we were talking about this. You meant, I'm going to paraphrase what you said. And so I'm really interested to hear what you have to say when you said something about no is not always no. We have a... My team is kind of the development. So not only the mergers and acquisitions, a big part of real estate and mm-hmm. building new stores. And, and I have a little theme occasionally where no doesn't mean no. When somebody tells you no, it doesn't mean no. So you have to understand where they're coming from. You know, whether you're buying a store or they say no to the offer. You know, a lot of times there's more to it than the, if you just took no at face value and walked away, you would lose a lot of opportunities. And we're talking in the capacity of mergers and acquisitions, but that's true for everything. Hmm. It could be a job you're trying to get. It could be a relationship you're trying to build. It could be some other part something in life if you just took no every time well, they said no right no no doesn't mean no so you just got to kind of keep coming to it and so i always you know a lot of people when they're let's say buying a house because that's a big transaction for most people if you're buying a house and you're dealing with real estate agents the real estate agents never want the buyer and seller to meet each other in person i always want to meet the seller in person mm. and it might be different at some sort of different stage because sometimes we have brokers involved and um, because I want to be able to tell the harp I want to tell the harp story and I want to understand what are the other deal factors that are important to you you might have said no to this but what are the other things well I want my people to work for you or I want to come work 
it for you. I want them to have vacation or I don't want the transaction to happen until this certain time period. So things that you might not have gotten somewhere else. So no doesn't mean no. Oh. Uh, that's that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. And a lot of times my team will come to us, well, they said no. I go, oh, that doesn't mean no. You gotta, we got to find another way to work on that. And that's sales too, right? Sure. That's what salesmen would say. Oh, you can't just take no as no. Yeah. You know, when we talk about other things related to being proactive and the concept of mergers and acquisitions, you know, we're really t- kind of talking about kind of controlling a situation or anticipating things or planning things. And I guess in life or at work, if you're doing something really important, you need to be intentional and take some time. And whether it be with yourself, more importantly, probably with your team, is just be intentional about brainstorming about what are the things that can go wrong here? Mm. And what are the things that can go right? And that's kind of what we're doing a lot of times. On the, We don't know we're doing it, but when we sit down, we're going through our list and we're kind of anticipating what's different about this particular project, what could go wrong. Because every transaction, and I use transaction because we're all having transactions, has a different twist to it. And our, you know, getting into the weeds on our deal could have a different wholesaler. We're changing wholesalers. It could be right. we're not going to have that store manager. We've got to bring in another store manager. What's the timing going to be? What's the seasonality of that store? What do we... So we're being proactive, but, you know, we should all take into consider whether it's our store managers or our departments. Let's leverage the experience of our teammates and other associates. And don't, as a leader or a manager, think, if you think you're the smartest guy in the room, you're going to be the dumbest one really quick. So leverage them. And at the end of it, go, is there anything else we're not thinking of? Yeah. And that's being proactive. I hear you. Yeah, somebody said, if you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> yeah, all of yeah. <laughs> you know, A lot of ways to yeah. put your hand around that. Uh, so I know you really can't go into details and understand that. And just so what does the future look like here? I mean, I know you talked about we've got a lot of things working, but, you know, whatever you would feel comfortable and you know sharing with our team and as far as do we sense something another acquisition may happen in the fairly near future you know i think you understand what i'm i'm asking you know because yeah. i know every everybody wants to quote be in the know you yeah. know what i mean and yeah. so it's like whatever well, so, you can do sometimes i'll have people come up to me and and there's always rumors mm-hmm. and they'll ask me and i say well i go do you really want to ask me because if i answer the question now you just have to start lying you know, <laughs> so don't put yourself in that position. But the other thing we do say, I think Kim's, this is a message and it's something that Kim has been consistent on too, is that, hey, it looks like, you know, nothing might come of it, but it looks like in today's environment, there's continuing to be people that are interested in selling their stores. Right. So in order to be proactive, we should be kind of thinking in those terms. And you know that when you go buy 20 stores or five stores or 13 stores, it, it can be hard on your team. Yes. It's a lot of work and it can be, take a lot of time. And so as we go through that process, we should be asking ourselves too, what do we need to be doing? Maybe it could be a staffing change or addition. Mm-hmm. We need to be thinking in those terms, being proactive for the next one. Yes. And right. so that's the position we want the group to be in. Feel comfortable thinking about so that we don't look up and that when we talk about the next one, everybody is, instead of being enthusiastic, 
they become unenthusiastic. Yeah. We don't want that enthusiasm to wane because it takes a lot of energy. So be proactive about what's what do we need to do to make these things successful. But yes, there's definitely things in the pipeline. And when I say the pipeline, that means it could not come to fruition. I can sure you know, I can think of maybe in the last nine to twelve months, three fairly large transactions that didn't. Mm. You know, that we looked at and, you know, we kind of take it seriously to, um, we don't want to be super conservative, but at the same time, we're looking out for our shareholders and, hey, at Harps, have to be our shareholders, our employees. Right. That's the other thing I tell sellers sometimes when they maybe push back a little bit. I go, you got to appreciate that I'm negotiating for your employees because they're going to be stockholders in our company. Yeah. They always grin. They kind of think that's funny in a good way. Yeah. Any final thoughts for us that you want us to know? And it's been very insightful today so far. I enjoy coming to work every day. Work with a great group of people and great team and fun projects. So yeah. I'll just leave it at that. I'll we, tell Gracie, go hogs again. We're pig. Yeah. We're pig. We're pig. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I've only been around a handful of years, as you know. I've been around six. And so I've seen three of these. And you're right. Every time we do it, like on the HR side, we get better every time. You know, we, we, we learn from that. And so, but just from my perspective, which is somewhat limited, but, you know, y'all do a great job on these. That's obvious. And it seems to be a real smooth transition. And, and uh, you know, we get we go back in and we do leadership stuff, as you know, and you've been a part of that following it. And they seem to, you know, really appreciate that to where just, I think the process from the beginning through that process and on, it seems to go well. And so I, my hopes are, and I would think I was probably right on this, I know that it's been talked about the future growth of our company will probably be more through acquisition than it would be from building stores like you said you know earlier so we look forward to the next one and we know uh, you'll do a great job on that so uh, thank you in advance we appreciate it thanks for having me bob yeah it's good to have you j max thank you thank you thank you to bob and j max for taking the time to pour into us today and educate us on some of the behind the scenes of store acquisitions If you're still listening, thanks for tuning in and be sure to follow the Hometown Fresh podcast wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode.